Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Torchlit Tavern Season 2. Good to see you. Is it, Mitch? I think so. This is take I mean, two, because we were about to start a new campaign, and Mitch decided to steal my moment. My name is Jameson Oxford. We are Torchlit Tavern. We are a real play Monopoly podcast. It's 5th edition. I will be your dungeon master. This is the start of our second campaign. We did a prologue, but this is our episode one. Today, our rogue will be played by... Hey, it's Jeff. Here to stab him right in the back. Right, right in the back. Or the front. You know, whatever. Fair enough. The role of Barbarian will be played by... Hey, everybody. It's Mitch. No longer Bruce. I am now Atheru, and I'm here to commit acts of violence and war crimes. And uh, a weird choice, but rounding out the party is our Artificer, played by... Hey, gang. It's me. I'm back again. It's Ryan. And I'm a little sick, and that's okay. But also, I don't know that Monopoly has campaigns. But this is our second one, so let's go. You've obviously never played Extreme Monopoly, but you're about to. Yeah, and I'm playing number nine. As we've said more than one time, we are a 5th edition real play podcast. We focus on narrative, storytelling, character growth, and it's time to start it all up again. Here we go. You guys ready? Yeah, man. Yeah, man. We can jump right into it. Ready, Freddy. All right. Cue that fucking intro music. The primacy of Bree has found itself the dominant military force in Shar. As enemy armies retreat and reconvene, Bree marches out to secure these lands once held by Celestian and Valeria. The counties and villages left unprotected in these areas have been dubbed dependencies, and the armies of Bree march out to secure them and defend them from outlaws and the rising monster threats. Along a muddy, churned-up road, weaving across sparsely wooded and hilly country, a column of soldiers loudly armored, but bearing devastating weaponry, marches into the dependency of Freehill. You guys have been traveling with this Brian military machine for a couple weeks now. You've been marching north into Celestian territory, and uh, you guys have had to do a couple of short missions as sort of scouting, a scouting group, like sort of ragtag. You're a mercenary, a apotheosis program assassin, and an older model Warforged unit. We'll go further into what those things mean. But for now, you guys are traveling near each other because they tend to throw you guys together when they need something done. Your most recent mission is being recounted nearby by a soldier. You should have seen it. No, no, the man, he's out of his mind. That mercenary over there with the garb covering his face. I watched him charge a gun line. You have no freaking clue. It was insane. Eight men already been shot. Bleeding, dead on the ground, and this, this psychopath breaks free of the cover of a tree, screaming at the enemy. Several of them fire in a panic, and they shoot him. He gets shot at least twice. I saw the blood fly. And then he's amongst them, like some sort of demon. I don't know what happened next, because I was crouched behind my own thing. But you, he should be dead. He should be long dead. Uh, you, you guys did not see uh, the assassin. The assassin was in the trees. You'd get a, a glimpse of him, and then he was among them, and they'd be dead. While while the Kenorian was making a ruckus, he was doing the real work. Why did they send the 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 bot? 
the, the golem with him. <laughs> I don't know, but it was there. <laughs> he, he, I, I was uh, coming up on the final skirmish in the camp, and it was making little versions of itself. It was making these little robots, and they were going through and, and taking things apart. Tents were collapsing everywhere they went. Grease fires everywhere. I wasn't aware the Warforged could do magic. That line that is said near you, Nine. He, he kind of eyeballs you like he almost wants an explanation. I didn't know either. What? Yeah, that was something I had never done before. Never? Never. Worked out well, though. You want to see one? Yes, I do. Yes, please. I take it off of my shoulder and I just hand it to him. <laughs> there you go. Oh my god. Oh, it's like a little version of you. Yeah. Say hi. Hi. Describe your character. Okay. Number nine looks like, if you've, see, if you've played Overwatch... She looks like Arissa, and uh, not not with the four legs, just the two in the front. She is a bipedal uh, robot. Uh, no horns like Arissa, unfortunately. She's uh, not that cool, but uh, she's got some cables coming out of the back of her head, and they're kind of tied back. They kind of look like dreads. Um, they're tied back <laughs> with a nice, cool-looking right bandana. Um, she wears a very heavy-looking leather apron. That she, uh, you know, just uses to, uh, I guess, not not scratch her paint. You know, we're 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 making things. But you, you stroke um, knives with it is what you do. Yeah, and then also, uh, any her like her eyes light up a little bit. They are a uh, a nice uh, lavender, I will say. And any uh, any like any lights like there's a small light in her chest. There might be a couple lights elsewhere that we'll talk about later. Uh, they all went normally. Uh, glow a nice lavender okay there is a uh winry rock bell-esque look about her just uh i guess clothing wise hello i did not know that you i've never seen a warforge do this me either <laughs> but now i can can i keep it uh, i mean i can make you a little one but that one's mine sure mostly i don't know if it will how long it'll last yet so marching through uh you see a uh, a couple of tiefling inquisitors these are the high commanders you know that they typically run the military units one of which is one that you were introduced early on as foe foe is a deeply red tinged tiefling man in his maybe early 30s he has short horns and he uh he seems not too comfortable with command as opposed to his counterpart, which you know of as High Inquisitor Vivaldi, the one who brought you all together. High Inquisitor Vivaldi seems to be reprimanding him a bit and telling him to get things together. Vivaldi has only a slight red tinge, is an older man, an older tiefling. He only has a slight red tinge and no horns. He looks like he is one of the first generation of tieflings that you guys know blend in with humanity a little bit better. As they move past you, you, you they both turn and they say, Quiet there! Let's talk. More walking. And they carry on past you, and you see that they can he continues to reprimand this Inquisitor foe. Okay. They do carry on, though. Almost immediately, you kind of see the soldiers kind of pick up talking as soon as the Inquisitors aren't around. Uh, a couple of them are kind of looking around. A few of them are looking Rayesk's way. Where's Rayesk right now in the lineup? Rayesk, as per uh, his sort of MO, is keeping his distance from people. Sure. He is... Away from the rest of everybody. He's keeping his distance from people. Most likely in the lead because he knows where he's going. And he is not, uh, it, to his knowledge, he is only meant to be traveling with these people and helping them for a short period of time. Right. So he is probably in the lead 30 feet or so. Mm-hmm. Okay. There have been more than a few soldiers who have tried to, like, talk to you ever since they've seen you in action recently. The story that they're telling you, you've seen soldiers try to reach out to you. Have you reacted to that? Coldly. They attempt to talk to me, and I either ignore them or, through body language, give them the impression that they should cease this sort of action. Okay. Uh, I think I think you're more than... 30 feet ahead at this stage just because of that because they they didn't really stop and it, even if one stopped it's been a long list of people who don't get the hint so uh jeff as you're traveling ahead of the uh the group uh 
describe your character for us for us all and for your new players uh reyes not new players but you know whatever these old fucks that you know real well but they don't know reyes <laughs> uh reyes is a relatively tall and slender looking man well not man per se you say reyes is a kreskin kreskin his race his race is something we've invented for this he looks a little bit uh, uh kind of like uh like a cephalopod to a certain extent uh but he's more like a cephalopod like an octopus combined with uh a humanoid obviously and yeah i was gonna say when you say he looks like an octopus that creates a completely different image what's the what's to the extent what are octopus like uh he has long arms and a small torso long arms and longer arms and legs and a smaller torso his skin is uh is inconsistent in color and texture Mm. uh he actually has like two suckers at the at his forearm before his uh uh before his elbow and uh similarly two at his uh calf before his knee. Hmm. Uh but he also has very and this is probably for the most part how much he looks like this is non-typical. He has very sort of shark features. Uh his face is very kind of shark-like uh but a little bit more humanoid. Um he has uh he has what look kind of like ears, but if you look closely, they are a place where gills, functioning gills, are or would be. Like if you could imagine, like a like a elf ear has like a point, and it's on the right side of the the corresponding side of your face mm-hmm. that an ear would be, right? So it's kind of like that basic shape of this sort of almost pointed ear, but it, instead of having like a defined lobe as much, it folds into his head, and then there are several more folds underneath it. Okay. Uh, but it does look enough like an ear that he, in fact, does have earrings in it. Oh. Um. Okay. And he has several scars on the visible parts of his body. He's covered in black armor and usually is wearing a cloak with some version of hood. Okay. So a lot of that we don't see. Just a couple. Most of, of that is not seen, but I do want to describe it for the of course. people so they yeah. know. Constant grimace on his face with the with his many teeth coming out. But he does—he does his best to hide his features. Gotcha. Uh, it draws a lot of attention. He doesn't like. Okay. So as I've said, he's most of the time he's got this cloak on with the hood up. Okay. Mitch. Uh, yeah, man. But you're not Mitch. You're Atheru. Uh, Atheru. Where does Atheru travel uh, in the army? Atheru skulks around the front of the marching party and lurks around the edges of the encampment during night times. He is most easily defined by his traditional Canorian overgarb. He wears the long olive cloak wrapped over his shirt of mail, and he has his face covered by a combination of head wrappings and a pointed conical helmet. He carries a scimitar and a hand axe, which is what he's known for, in the parts of his skin that would be exposed around the wrists and ankles, sometimes his neck, sometimes his eyes. His skin is covered in a beige, thick, short fur, similar to a hobgoblin, but of an unusual color. And at night, many of the soldiers have seen that his eyes glint back like those of a wolf or a cat in the reflections of the firelight. Uh, are you hiding your look? He's undercover, so he tries to stay that way. Okay. Uh, when people try to talk to a Theru, how does that interaction go? He's short with them, but he doesn't burn bridges, necessarily. Okay. He's not friendly, though. Okay. He'll he'll meet questions with answers, but he doesn't really seek conversation. Uh, the differentiating factor to that is at nighttime, Atheru gossips a bit to sort of feel out the crowd for who feels what about higher ups and things. So you, you're a regular at the at the campfire at night. Yeah, mm-hmm. not very high participation, but uh, sometimes pokes the bear on uh, hot topics and things to see how people react. Okay. Um, so that makes a you bit pretty of an instigator, I guess yeah, you could say. There's a there's a handful of people who actually who actually talk to you then, because uh, you know there's even if you're a gruff pain in the ass, you'll always find other gruff pains in the asses to talk to. Isn't that right, Mitch? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, Thayer has noticed that Reyes doesn't engage anyone, and uh, Thayer thinks that that might be a leverage point because Thayer has some insidious goals, to say the least. So uh, he's going to uh, he's going to approach <laughs> he's going to approach uh, Reyes at some point and say uh, you you did well you did well back there in, in the uh, engagements I see the many men and uh, that metallic thing they continue to pester you so why are you so against conversion conversation 
Um, about how tall is Aderu? Aderu stands at a mighty 5'10-ish. Okay. He's not particularly outstanding in physical build. So I believe he's looking up at you. I'm I'm definitely crouched down to like a like a six foot ish, like a little a little over six foot, because that's just I don't I don't walk at my full height most of the time. Uh, so I look down at you a little, and you you see the the red gold eyes like narrow on you, and don't like talking. Fair enough. Then uh, no need. You did good work though. Last time, less engagement. It's well done. I nod. I am eager to see how, moving forward, we collaborate with our specialties. Uh, I nod. <laughs> there nods back. This is this is just fantastic for our audio medium podcast. I can't wait for this character to just continue delivering these zingers. <laughs> hey, I'm not the zinger man this one. All right. If the metallic monstrosity continues to aggravate you, we can find solution. And that, with that, Adair just sort of slips back into his lurking. Doesn't even wait for you to nod that time. Yeah, Rayask uh, watches you, or I watch you, and I decide to keep note as to where you are from here on. Always a safe bet. <laughs> yeah. Totally normal interaction, that one that you guys just had. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> Is it more normal or less normal if I describe the lanyard of ears that Adairu wears on a regular basis? No, that actually makes the whole thing make more sense. Mm, okay. Yeah, we're up to nine, I think, or six or nine. We're in a pretty good number these days. Yeah, something like that. So as you guys continue your march, these are the interactions you've had over the last few days. It's been a long trip. You've run into a little bit of resistance from Valeria, which is the, let's say, competing army that you know is in the area. This other nation that has always warred with Bree because you guys fill a similar niche in the, the, the world of Obscuria. But that war has come to a head now that the primacy has taken control in Bree, and they've really started to crush all resistance. Valeria has been putting up as much fight as they can. So you know they're in the area, but you haven't seen them in a few days now. And you guys are about to enter the dependency of Freehill. The small village of Freehill isn't much to see. The people themselves are scattered across the land in a chaos of farmsteads, eking out dangerous livings in what has become a dangerous territory. The land is fertile, largely due to the river Celis that runs along the edge of the village. This makes the people rather healthy, what few are seen in the meager town proper, which is little more than a handful of buildings, silos, shops, and one well-built, simple ex-military garrison that they've converted into a tavern. Freehill hasn't seen any military settlement since the fort was sacked by Bree 17 years ago. The roads are little more than muddy furrows due to the recent rain. You hear dogs barking and see a handful of children playing in the mud near a short fence that marks the town edge. The smell of something cooking comes on the wind in the direction of the tavern. As you arrive, people seem to busy themselves by vacating the streets. Because you guys, as I stated, are a full platoon of primacy soldiers. As you guys pull into town, the High Inquisitor Vivaldi orders people around, secures the edge of town, and he snaps his fingers and he points at Inquisitor Foe, and then at you guys. And he waves you guys over. Yes. Hi. Hello. It's good to see you again. Uh, I approach reluctantly. So he, he, he kind of coldly ignores Nine when she talks to him. Uh, and he turns to Rayask as he arrives, nods at Rayask, and then turns to the quote-unquote hobgoblin mercenary in the group. And he's like, normally I would bring my own soldiers with me for what we have to do. But you guys have demonstrated that you are very talented individuals. And you also represent a certain amount of fear. And fear is good for me. Okay. What do you wish? Do you desire more ears? I think he said fear, not ears. The two are tied together, creature. Yes. Yes, all your ears are tied together. I, I do not desire more ears. Not here, not yet. The dependency of Freehill is under our protection. And I feel that it is good for me to explain this to you because you are quite exuberant. Effective. Yes, that, that as well. But you do not kill anyone here without my permission. Okay. Uh, I raise my hand. Yes. What, what was your name again? C-3-P-4. Is there a shorter way of saying that? He, he, I, sorry. I sort of like bow my head and roll my eyes. 
Seth. Seth. Hmm. Yes. That's not the name he told me. That is not the name he gave you? No. You would not bother yourself with the deliberations of a malfunctioning unit. Look at the thing. Hi. I did say this would come up. <laughs> yeah. That was Ryan. <laughs> so, I forgot to take uh, my finger yeah, off. <laughs> hey, DM, DM wants to know, when did you tell him your name? Let's go ahead and rehash it just a touch. Uh, he told me this uh, during our Zero session. I went up and asked him his name, and he just told it to me. And said, and I asked him, out of game, I said, hey, Jeff, you okay with telling me that? And he said, yeah. Yes. He said it wouldn't matter yeah. because I am just a machine. Who cares? Yes. Mm-hmm. To, to Rayask, it didn't matter. You are just a machine. You don't need his military designation or his... As this interaction goes goes by, does Rayask care now? Yeah, Rayask <laughs> looks out... Rayask... Uh, sorry. I glare over at the 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 Warforge, this machine, and I look back at the the Inquisitor and I say, This is my military designation. Ah. It's strange that you apotheosis warriors are so bent on those. I do appreciate the, uh... So should I be calling you Seth instead? No names. Uh, I look over at you. Yes. Yes. Please. Oh, okay, yeah. Seth. Vivaldi looks at you with a glint in his eye, and he's like, You are doing fine, Golem. Good job. Thank you. Have you seen the Maker? No. Okay. Not yet. We will. I was tasked with being here with you until this town. Yes, but I I believe you were also told to follow our orders whenever possible. Which are? Unless mine supersede. Do they at the moment? Not yet. Good. In answer to your question, Kenorian, we are going to go into the tavern and have a drink. And uh, because I have sent our good friend Foe, to bring the mayor to us. Yes? Are you asking for payment? I am asking your disposition on his ears. I told you not to kill anyone in this town. I am checking. You also said you wanted to garner fear. I said that you are useful in garnering fear, but not yet. To be no. fair, you can take ears without killing someone. Come with us. We will go to the tavern and we will wait. Okay. I, um, I remain like a half step behind, but I also put my hand on number nine's shoulder okay and i allow them to walk away and when they do i go don't like seth but don't use real name oh so when it's just me and you risk this is fine but in front of other people seth or c three p four Thank you. You're welcome. Seth is surprisingly polite. <laughs> at the door... And uh, Adairu just keeps stride with High Inquisitor Vivaldi. Yeah. He says, I will pay you for your ears once we arrive in Santitas. Is that fair? You can collect as many as you can until we get there. And then I will pay you in full once we arrive. Adairu, much like Seth, just nods. I don't need to get paid? I... Do I get paid? No, you do not get paid. You are owned, in fact. Oh, okay. By the maker. He has actually stopped and waiting for you and uh, Reyes to catch up. And you guys filter into a old stone building that has been converted in the tavern. As I said, it used to be some form of military barracks. Uh, And you see a aged halfling polishing a mug in the corner. He looks to be the bartender. You see a a woman that's serving people. And then you also see, like, directly in front at a table, you see a youth and an old woman sitting there arguing. You just overhear as you guys come in, you guys shouldn't have been fighting. You should have surrendered before it happened. And the old woman, you would say that. You weren't born yet. Back then, we believed in something. You never even knew what it was that we've lost. Aren't we safer? Depends on what you mean. And she side-eyes you guys as you enter... And then she gets up and starts heading out like a back door. Adairu tracks the old lady as she leaves and just makes a mental note because that looks like a set of ears that would get you five gold. <laughs> as we walk in the door, I just say, hey. Reyes <laughs> is aware that, that this guy's not going to pay him, right? He does make money, but not from this guy, right? Um, 
you're getting paid as a soldier. They give you a stipend no matter what. Like, if you're traveling with the army, you, you've been reimbursed before at least a little bit. Uh, okay. It's not, you're not doing this for free. Like, you're a soldier. They give you a soldier's no, pay. Yeah, I do, I do nothing for free. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the moment the robot says hi. I do nothing for a charge. The, the moment the robot says hi, everyone in the room comes to a sudden stop. It gets very quiet in here. I take the moment to wave at everyone. Like, individually? Yeah. Eye contact at everybody thing. Uh, you see w- one of the, or the, the... The serving woman, like, turns away and spits and then, like, makes a, a holy symbol across her chest. You see the one... The, uh, the halfling in the back nearly drops his cup when you wave at him. Um, and you see that a whole table of people move further, oh, like further away from the door and free up the table, which Vivaldi immediately goes and starts to occupy. Bye! While she is waving, I skirt around the outside straight to the bar, um, with my cloak down, or cloak over my face, uh, trying not to, uh, draw too much attention to myself, and I come up to the bar and I lay a gold on the, on the bar and I say, Grog, please. Um, you see that she, uh, doesn't move until Vivaldi raises his hat and says, He asked for Grog. Um, I will take something better. Wine for the rest of us. You do drink wine, Kenorian? Yes. Wine. Uh, and she then starts to move, uh, but she keeps a nice distance from, she keeps a good distance from Nine as much as she can. How tall is Nine? I feel like, I feel like I know the answer to this. It's nine, nine, Jay. It's nine feet tall. No, it's not that low. (laughs) Is it not nine (laughs) inches? No. Uh, (laughs) I mean, they are tall for sure, but like nine feels like a lot. Uh, That's that's Bruce plus. That's Bruce's mohawk levels. I mean, if 99 is 99 inches tall, that's like Mm. eight and change. I was going to say eight. Eight Eight feels good. That's a good. That's good. Nine feels too high. And eight feels like just high enough. All right, eight feels good. Damn, that is big though. Uh, yeah, no, they they keep a firm distance from you. Uh, oh, she big. And you guys, she big. Yeah, as she you thick. guys are sitting here, but is she thick? T H I C C. In this this very silent room, you sense the anxiety that your arrival has placed in uh, the common people. I do. Me specifically, or is it just no? That? You no idea. You I absolutely have no clue. No clue. Uh, Atheru makes a point to sit across from where the robot is as much as possible. I'm standing at the table. Across from wherever the robot is. This is not unusual for for me as Reyes. Yeah. Uh, I don't sit at the table with the Inquisitor. I do move to the darkest corner. I I point at my gold and I go, Keep them coming until the gold is gone. Please. Um, yeah, yeah, your your wish is my command, master. Uh, I'll I'll keep, yeah, I'll keep boring. So you're at the bar? Yeah, but I moved to uh, whatever darkest corner of the, if that's still at the bar. Furthest end at the bar is by the back door that the lady left through. I mean, either that or a table that's in the, I'm just. Every other table, the the only other tables are everybody else vacated toward the back area trying to get away from the He respects Omicron, he's distancing. That's a good idea. That's great. How dare you? It's Omicron. Omicron's going to be gone by February, so we don't need to talk about it. Sure. I definitely I definitely stay at the bar because I, thinking about it now, I stay at the bar because I want him to keep filling my grog. He, he fills your glass, bud. He fills it up. Uh, he keeps yeah. it coming. Uh, yeah, and I'm at the, the, the furthest edge. He goes ahead and he acts pretty nervous, but when you just seem interested in drinking, that calms him down a bit. That is something he understands, and he kind of takes to that. This waitress reminds me of the other waitress, but, like, with one less axe. Kendra? Jay knows what I mean. Yeah, I know <laughs> what you mean. So, you guys sit there for a bit, and you sort of nurse your drinks, and you watch that Vivaldi is, like, very much just... He's quiet, and he's watching you guys act. He's watching Nine, he's watching Reisk. He looks at uh, Atheru, and he goes, What was the name you gave him? Bell. Because your name is not the name that you've given, Correct. Because I was about to say Atheru in his accent, and that's not true. He wouldn't say that. That would be crazy. Uh, we're going to go with uh, Halor. Halor. Halor, right? Yes. You seem very put put out by our Warforged friend. Why would I not be? Me? Yes. Nine. You. He is alarmed by Did you. Did I do something? What is my nationality? He, like, furrows his brow. Is this some sort of test? You are Kenorian. And what does Kenoria do? 
Kenorian make mercenaries. They do many things, but that is what I know them for. And what does that thing do? I do whatever the maker says. It is an encroachment upon my business. Ah, I see. I mean, they, are, they much like your people, have many aspects. But yes, I see what your problem. They, uh, they could end mercenaries. And he says that as like a veiled threat. They could try, yes. They could. The entire line could put you out of work. Could end your livelihood, yes. They're quite impressive. I wouldn't. I mean, no one's asked me to. I admit I am curious to see the full potential of one of these devices. Me as well. Me too! As you guys are chatting, Reyesk is drinking, you start to hear a very light waiter. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Chatting. Yeah, you're chatting. It's a light chat. Vivaldi is very intense. You have very have had very few interactions with him because he's the leader of this whole platoon. But he's taken an interest in you guys because you guys are different than the, the army. The army just does what he says. You guys fall into sort of an outer category. And you start to get the impression that not only does he want your help with this, but he's feeling you out as well. It's He's just an intense guy. Uh, as you guys are getting that feeling, you guys hear an incredible commotion coming from outside. You hear the sounds of dogs. You hear kids yelling. You hear some of the army going. And you hear uh, cries of prepare. Uh, as you hear that, Foe enters the building and comes running inside. And he says, uh, Inquisitor Vivaldi, Vivaldi, hi. Um, so we are under, they are under attack by gnolls. They've they've assaulted the village. Uh, what do you want us to do? And Vivaldi says, Ears. Shut up, not now. Foe, I told you to go get me the mayor. I do not see the mayor. Uh, he said he would not come. And you gave him the choice. Sir, the, the, the null attack? The mayor has not yet agreed to terms of protection. Go tell the men to stand down. He gets a look on his face, and then Vivaldi just sort of glares at him, and then he goes, Yes, Inquisitor. And he goes outside, and you hear calls of stand down, no guns are fired, but you start to hear commotion from one end of the village. Uh, you hear the sound of dogs barking, people screaming. And uh, as that kind of continues, Vivaldi stands up, brushes himself off, tips the last back bit of his wine and says, Well, it appears that we are going to the mayor's house. Which is a shame, because this is quite a nice tavern. They had surprisingly good wine. Shall we? As soon as he busted in, I rolled to hide, like actually hide okay. somewhere in the corner. So I rolled a 14 on my stealth. Uh, he, he turns around and uh, he, 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 he looks around and he says, Come nine. Come, Hador. Ah, Seth. Where has Seth gone? Seth's right there. Do you know where he went? It's a fair question. I just kind of did it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, roll a perception. Yeah, roll perception. Maybe you did. If passive perception beats, do I still roll? No. No. It's a fair question. Typically, no. To, to save time, if nothing else. Uh, no, I got a 12. I didn't see shit. Technically, uh, when he hides, he is always trying to attempt to beat your passive. That's his new DC. <laughs> to disappear. <laughs> so, uh, Halor uh, scans across the room, and when he makes eye contact with Seth, he dilates his pupils a little bit, and they go a little bit more elliptical than usual, and then he just continues to scan the room and says nothing. Hmm. Seth, I did not tell you you could go anyplace. We have business. Did you get new orders? I, I appear out of the corner. I appear out of the corner and go, Yes, what is it? We are going to go visit the mayor, Seth. We need to go talk to the leader of this village so that we can provide proper protection. He has not agreed to our terms and they are under attack. We must move quickly. I finish my mug of grog and put my hand out. Do I know if I'd finished my gold worth of uh, grog yet? Because um, if not, I put my hand out for my change. You guys sat there for about 30 minutes. How fast do you drink? Um, faster than somebody doesn't doing it leisurely. So trying you, to get a decent buzz going. My my question will be: <laughs> if you're trying to get a buzz going, then roll Constitution. Uh, if you if you just sort of are casually doing, then no, you're gonna get some change. Trying to get a buzz going. Terrible drink choice for that. Just uh, it's cheap. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. Con plus three ten is what I rolled. I I imagine that it serves two functions. The reason he likes grog is one, it's a lot of water. And as an amphibious creature, that's dope. It's good to stay hydrated. But it's also grog, and that's dope too. And it's cheap. It's threefold. It's a lot of good reasons. Um, you get your buzz on, 
you're you've been tipping him back really fast. The halfling has been like staring at you, like like pouring it, and just his eyebrows have been getting higher and higher. And like you reach for the last one, and he like he puts it in like this half like busted cup that's like cracked at the top half. He fills it halfway. He's like, just take it to go. And you didn't drink enough here. And he gives you uh, three silver back. Cool. I uh, I take the three silver. Take it easy, friend. I slam the rest of the what's in the cup. I put it on the bar and I go. Thank you. You're well. You're welcome. When Seth, you know, moves from uh, where he is at the bar out towards the entrance to the tavern to leave, Halor, you know, raises one hand slightly for you, friend, and he slides his mug over. And Halor had finished very little of his wine. Oh yeah, I just down that real quick too. <laughs> kind of surprised that you do. You uh, you haven't partaken anything today, right? Justice Grog, that's why I've been doing it. Yeah, so I'm not going to let you make you roll any sort of checks to talk about effects yet, because I feel like you have a pretty high tolerance for things, as we've stated about your character's background. So we're going to go ahead and push forward. So you guys quickly hoof it across town if you follow Vivaldi. Do I? You start moving across at a fairly brisk walking pace, but it doesn't look like he's in a hurry. In the distance, you see a handful of farmers being attacked by a hyena-headed beast man. You can hear the, his laughter his <laughs> as he attacks these two men. You see one of them goes down to this large sword that he carries, and the other one's trying to chase it off with a pitchfork as it laughs. Uh, eventually, it, after downing the one man, it runs off, and Vivaldi just keeps walking toward what looks like a large manor house at the edge of town. Uh, Mr. Vivaldi, I think they need help. Uh, it would appear so, yes. It's a shame that the mayor did not meet us at the tavern as I had required. That man's life could have been spared. I can't help? No. No, you do not help yet. Okay. They've made it clear they do not want our help yet. Uh, you guys get in and you see, like, a guard that's waiting there. Vivaldi doesn't even look at him. He opens the door and you guys file in through this house. And... Hi. I would like to survey something uh, before I enter completely. Sure. Yeah, let me, let me, I don't know if I roll with advantage of this one. It's going to be a perception check. I do. Um, so the null dropped the dude and left. That's not, that's not how predators work. And that's not how, how scavengers work. So I, I just want to, I want to take a perception check and see if. Sure. It looks like they are just raiding or if it looks like they are collecting food is what I'm looking for. I'm not even going to make you roll a perception. If you take the time to watch. If you stop at the door and, and, and continue to watch, you see that the man chases after the knoll, and another knoll pops up from behind a hill and guts him. Okay. Which, as you watch that, you realize, oh no, that is very knoll-like behavior. Yeah. Yeah, he doesn't take a long time to do it, but he just takes a second to sort of look around, glance at a couple other engages, engagements, and then follows in. Yeah, you watch another man die, and then you head in. Uh, as you are bringing up the rear you find that not too far inside, this house isn't huge, it's still a small town, um, but at the back of the room you see this this heavier set man, um, and Vivaldi has already pulled up in front of him, he's in his chair in like his office, and Vivaldi comes in, pulls a chair out, and sits down. At either side of this man stand two guards in better regalia than anyone else you've seen in the village, they seem to be his personal bodyguard. And Vivaldi sits down in the chair, casually puts his boots up on the man's table, on his desk. Hi! Reyes slinks through every doorway and into every room. He hugs the walls. He doesn't look at anyone directly. <laughs> I'm standing directly behind Vivaldi, ready uh, for orders, I guess. Aveiru just stands off to the side with his hand on his sword. You see the man, like, he's at, like, a loss. He's trying to get his his his, his words together and Vivaldi cuts him off. Your dependency will be expected to, on a yearly basis, provide the primacy with 25% of all the following that the town yields. 20% of all food, taxes, and populace to be retrieved by us in the fall. Fall is next month. That's 10 times what the kings of Celestian used to demand. And we are 20 times the country that Celestian attempted to be. I might see fit to reduce the volumes of these demands, provided one such as yourself could provide me with certain information about certain people of interest. Outside, you hear the chaos of them being under attack. You see one of the guards peers out the window. You, you see him, he's like, you need to help us. Mm, no, I do not. Finally, the guy, the guy kind of gets himself together. He's like, who, what do you, you want to know? 
Well, let's start. Um, let's start easy. Have you heard news of the Broken Circle? No? What about the rebels in the north? Maybe you've heard word of Bloodgrip the Outcast? Uh, you have a pretty high passive insight, right, Mitch? I don't know, actually. I'm not sure what my insight is. Let me check. Does anyone have Plus a passive? Plus three with advantage. Who doesn't have an insight higher than ten? Thirteen. Yeah, okay. I also have a thirteen. Um, you guys know that the mayor has definitely heard of blood grip. Uh, the, the broken circle, like, they roll here, right? Like, for sure, right? Um, like, when I know that? He does not I should know the answer to that question. He does not react to that at all. Uh, you might. But I know the answer to that question, right? Uh, yeah, you know the answer to that question, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know that you guys haven't done anything around here recently that you're aware of. Okay. As, uh... He mentions blood grip. You see that the guy's eyes go a little bit wider, and Vivaldi continues. I wasn't expecting that one. My bosses could be seen to treat information on that one with favorable reward. I'm I'm, I'm not certain, but a defelf came to us a few years ago. He nods toward the back door. There's a scimitar that the, uh, the tavern keep keeps. He took it down recently because of the ordinance against weapons, but, uh, he, he left a, a weapon with us and told us that someone would come looking for it. He refused to explain. He laughed at me when we inquired, and then he headed east. He didn't stay even one night. Shall I inspect it? The, 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 the sword? Vivaldi kind of pauses and looks at you like, the sword? We have regulation against weapon, yes? We do, yes. No one is allowed to have weapons without a permit. Then perhaps shall I confiscate? Um, I think that we will. But uh, if the chance does come, we will send you for it. But for now, uh, I still have not gotten an answer from our friend here. Ears? I do not know. Sir, do you agree to our terms? So far you have given me no information that is actionable. And the town mayor kind of squares himself up. He sits up a little straighter and he goes, I can't agree to that. You need to help us with the nults. And then we'll talk. Kill his gods. You can take their ears. Does, does the maker want me to kill the guards? Does the guards react to that? And you say that. Roll initiative. 16. 17. Uh, I haven't been given the okay. Yeah? <laughs> you still need to roll initiative so that I know when you come in. Poor guards. Nine. Nine rolled a nine. Yeah. Risk, you're up first. What do you do as he says that? You watch the guards sort of, they get wide-eyed, they look at each other, and then they start to reach for their weapons. Bonus action, hide. Okay. You're in Ooh. sort of a, a tight office. It's not big, but it is That's cramped cool. with my, things. That's cool. My uh, hide check really lines up with not being able to hide well in this place. A grand total of nine on my stealth. Yeah, no. Ryan, stop. You're nining people. <laughs> <laughs> where, where is it that you move as you attempt to hide? Uh, away from the guards. Okay, just sort of along an outer wall, maybe? Yeah, along okay. an outer wall, even onto a ceiling. Fuck, you can climb. Yeah, so you like climb up the side of a bookcase. They know where you are, but you de- you're like half hidden around a, a, a bookshelf. Athera, what do you do? Oh, um, where are the guards in relation to myself? Uh, directly. I was directly across- to the right or left side of Vivaldi. Yeah, Vival- you were standing at Vivaldi's shoulder. Uh, basically mirroring you are the two guards uh, on either side of the mayor. They are across the table from you. Okay. Um. I've already rolled for my hits, so you tell me if I need to roll anything else. Um, okay. Atheru, or Halor, as he is known here, draws a scimitar, lunges across the table, and strikes the first guard for a nat 20. <laughs> okay. That's uh, dice, two dice plus mod, right? Yeah, man. Man, I suck. That's uh, eight damage, though. Eight damage? Yeah. That was a That's a crit? Yeah. Okay. Oh, hey, I wanted to talk about this. Um... Scimitar sucks. It's a short it, sword. Well, also, just in line with the fact that you've rolled garbage. Um, and crits, more damage kind of pushes combat to end. So I'm always kind of a proponent for it on the show. If you roll a crit, you don't roll a second dice. You add the maximum number that the dice would be. Oh, that's 13 then, because the second yeah. dice was the one. Sure. Uh, basically, you roll d6 plus 6. Oh, plus shit. Your bonuses. Okay, yeah. That's cool. a 13 then. All right. Then that kills him. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm all for progressing things along and i don't want to have you dickering over the last two hit points every time so yeah you uh you kill that guard so atheru just leaps over the table in a flourish of his overcloak and again just 
shoulder to ears the man with a scimitar, whirls around with his cloak, and then strikes the second guard with his hand axe for 17. Is that a hit? Yes. Dealing five damage. Yes. That's a hit. That does five. Is that the end of your round? Yeah. So this axe kerchunks into this man uh, right underneath his breastplate. Number nine, it's your turn. Did he ever get confirmation to act? No, I certainly didn't. Okay. No, initiative happened. Yeah. No, I uh, stay. So the last thing you said is... Did the maker want me to? You see Vivaldi, who has been very calm. He has not moved. His feet are still up on the table as this first man has died. He looks at you and he says, Yes, this is getting old. I need you to kill his gods. Okay. Uh, the crossbow immediately pops out of my right arm, and uh, I fire on this man. That is a 16 plus 4 to hit. Yeah, that'll do it. That is a 5 plus 2. Fuck. Arrow takes him in the right. shoulder. Yeah, you, the axe kerchunks underneath his breastplate, and the crossbow bolt takes him right in the collarbone, and he goes down. Uh, the two guards lie dead, and the mayor... Is just has his hands up in the air in a fetal position in his big chair, going, Oh God, don't kill me, don't kill me! I'll do whatever you want. I agree to the terms, I agree to the terms. They collects his trophies, turns around, walks up behind the mayor. Yes? No, he has agreed to our terms. He is under our protection. Isn't that the right mayor? Uh, we must go help them with the null problem. Let's go. Come on. Okay. Seth. I collect my ears. I drop down from where I was. I believe I asked and you to kill people and then you hid. I do things my way. And your way is slower. Adair steps in. His way is to clean up what I do not finish so that nothing is left unresolved. I, I've i already dropped down and upon being asked that question I just turn and walk away. This guy isn't my dude. Like I only barely have to listen to him in my mind. He, he pulls out a... Uh... A Yoon phone from his pocket. He hits a button and it floats out. And he says, if you could go meet up with uh, Inquisitor Foe and uh, tell him that we are to find these gnolls and remove them from the area, the dependency of Freehill is now under our protection. Uh, and you see that he starts doing some sigils on his Yoon phone. Do you guys do what he says? Uh, I ask him a very important question. Eaters? Of course. There's no one from Freehill. Just these gnolls. Aethera's got work to do. Did the maker want me to do that? Yes, the maker wanted you to do it. Please go. Okay. How do we fix that? It must. There must be a setting. As you walk away... <laughs> Fucking UI is garbage on this model. Risk, where is it that you go first? As you are the first one out the door. Um, as I'm first one out the door and I was told to do a thing, I go to some place where I can uh, survey, okay. see, where they, see where they are, I'm the kind of guy who makes the traps, not walks into them. Sure. So I just want to check the scene real quick. One of the first things you notice is that while that attack was going on, it appears that the gnolls have left. Like, it, you see soldiers running around, you see orders being carried out, people are taking up gun positions, but as far as you can tell, the gnolls are already gone. It's too late. Like, whatever okay. you guys were going to do for the town at this stage, it's too fucking late. You see that there's a few dead villagers. You see that... A dog has been killed. We know how we feel about dogs here. Yeah. I go and viciously murder whoever murdered that dog. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> it's done. I'm going to go. I'm going to slink away somewhere and pull out my Yoon phone. Sure. Uh, as you are reaching for your Yoon phone, it rings before you can even get it fully in your hand. I touch it. Hey, Seth. Where are you? I couldn't make it in the free hill. Hey. Calling you because I just got a call from the boss. I grow tired of these people. Yeah, well, they're complaining about you, and I told you that you needed to play ball with them until we met up again. I just got a call from our, from our boss. We got called by Vivaldi. says that you're not doing what you're told. I did what I was told my way. Well, Vivaldi's not someone to fuck with. Do you understand? Understood. Okay. Known you long enough to know that you have a quiet sort of attitude. Yes. Make it quieter for your own good. Fine. If you go behind the tavern, I left you a dead drop. It's another five days of locust powder. You'll also find 20 silver pieces. Heard. Uh, and then 
He hangs up the Uden phone because he assumes that's the end. Um, he says, uh, last thing he says as you're hanging up is, It's looking like Santitas. Vivaldi's going to Santitas. Stay with him till Santitas. I'll definitely be there. Heard. Then I hang up the phone and I move to behind the tavern so I can get my goods. Uh, just before Reyes puts his phone away, he realizes that he has some notifications. As you click them, some ads play. Hi, welcome to Yoonphone. The Yoonphone is a powerful device brought to us by the diligent work of the Apotheosis Program. A primacy Yoonphone is an incredible tool. It allows you to send and receive messages, sendings, and commercials such as this one. Tell your friends that even though they aren't in the military, they too should get a Yoonphone. Now available for public purchase. The Yoonphone is connected to the network. The network allows you to purchase and order different products that we will sell you at a premium through the Yoonphone service. Here's a commercial for one of the many products that you can find through the Yoonphone right now. Had a long day full of killing, pillaging, dissolving! Need something to quench your thirst after drinking the blood of your enemies? Then there's only one choice, Krog Rug! Brewed by the apostles of Krog through secret and terrifying means, guaranteed to fuel your bloodlust and satisfy your thirst, but not your rage! The only grog meant to be drank from a skull. Grog Grog! Check your local retailers! While that is going on, Ethereum, what is it you do as you leave the, the mayor's house? I go to find the gnolls, whose ears I need. That's gonna be a 24 to survival to track. Um, so you, uh, you start heading out toward where you saw that fight happen with the couple of villagers and the gnoll, and, uh, you can see the blood. You feel that you could track them. Hell, you could track them at any time. They didn't do a great job not leaving a trail of gore. Um... As you are moving deeper into the woods, you do hear uh, Inquisitor Foe from behind you. Do not run off! Come back! Don't go alone! He said ears. Do not... Don't go alone. Besides, I have this. And uh, Ethereo points at uh, Nine. Waves, just dismissively, waves in his general direction. <laughs> Nine, where are you? <laughs> it's like when you present your receipt at Walmart. Like, you know they have to look <laughs> at it, so you just kind of flash it at them. And they have to pretend, so they like move their hand in some sort of confirmation and say good day? Uh, Nine went straight to Foe, because that's what Nine was told to do. Okay. As Nine rolls up on Foe, he looks, he's like, Are you traveling with the Kenorian? Vivaldi said that the Maker said to come to you. We are not ready to go into the woods. Come back. I thought the Maker said go kill him. That was my bad. <laughs> I thought we were rolling for murder. That was my Vivaldi bad. Vivaldi said to go defend the city. You you got told you could collect their ears. That's that's where that's where the disagree or that's where the uh the breakdown happens. One track my <laughs> Yes. Uh it is uh defend the city, and you could interpret that to go get them now, but they're gone. So uh you can you can recalibrate however you see fit as your character. Sixteen stealth check. As I get to Vivaldi, is there anything happening? Or not to Vivaldi, to Foe. Foe? He, he's running his hands through his hair, and you see that a lot of the soldiers have already kind of quieted down. You see that one of the gnolls was shot uh, trying to leave at the last second, uh, and that they are uh, just kind of checking it out. But otherwise, no, there's not a lot going on. It it has gotten surprisingly quiet in the aftermath. I shoot it? <laughs> you shoot what? <laughs> the gnoll. The dead gnoll? She's helping. Oh, it's dead? Oh. Yeah, the dead gnoll. They shot one. I mean, you said it was shot. You didn't say it was dead. That's fair. No, it's dead. It, it They killed it. Okay, yeah. Then I just stand there and away for orders. Yeah, shot sounded a lot more deadly before they were happened. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, dead, dead, or mostly dead. Yeah, Adairu has just dipped into the underbrush with a, a stealth of 16. He's just <laughs> scouting around a little bit to see if he can, like, 
find any shit they left behind. Weapons, tools, money, things like that. Foe tries to wave some men, but they seem busy uh, with whatever they're doing. And then he cusses under his breath and he turns to uh, to Nine and he says, Follow me, the Mega says. Okay. Uh, and he chases after you. Does he beat that stealth 16? Okay. You said there was woods, right? Did I did I overreach there? No, no, no. It, there's, it's sparse woods that the gnolls sort of disappeared into. Yeah, no, he, he doesn't see where you went. Uh, him and Nine come tromping in very loudly to your refined perceptions. You just see him. Fuck, damn Canodians. Where, where'd he go? I might be able to find him. Can you? They do. He needs... We don't want him going off alone. Athera was about to spook him just to be a dick. And then uh, Nine says that she can find me. So now we're going to see if she can. <laughs> like 10 feet away behind a bush. Just... Yeah, pretty much. A 13 plus 6 investigation. Nice. Wow. Um, that so... beats by a bit. How how does that look? How do, how does uh, nine investigate the situation? Uh, I'm going to uh, go full sentry and just fucking completely stop. But my eyes are going to open wider, and I am going to slowly move sideways and scan the area. So this is investigation specifically, not perception, right? Yes. Okay. So the information you get is that he came in he i'm looking for it's investigation i am one track mine i'm looking for one thing i don't give a fuck about anything else in this area yeah but you see you see that somebody came in knelt down at some knoll tracks and checked them out you see that a puddle of blood was was uh swiped through like somebody put their hands in it and then you see that they got up very quickly moved to another location you're not entirely certain but you're almost certain that it was to the the left or the east uh, and that and that's like your last indication of where there we went. Uh, I stop my little sentry mode and I will walk over to the puddle of blood and I will look to see if he left any fur in it. No, I don't. I don't think that's a thing that would happen, would it? I don't know. He's furry. He is furry, but like, it, does he shed? I think. I don't know. He put his fucking hand in it. That's why I asked. <laughs> Probably not. That's up to you guys. I don't know. <laughs> hey, 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 Mitch. Does your character Most shed? Most furry things do. You're a cat person. I feel like he sheds following a shift. Okay, that's fair. I feel like that's... If there was going to be, like, a shed trail, it would be following a shift. Because when he shifts, I imagine his pelt thickens. And then when he unshifts, I imagine he just loses some of that. Foe comes up as you're staring at the puddle, and he's like, What is it that you see? I think he went this way. How do you know? I can see his footprints. Oh. Well, that works. And then there is behind the bush, like, bullshit. foe moves past nine and heads towards the bush that you're hiding in yeah i point like a fucking dog (laughs) i think he's right there are you (laughs) yeah foe foe creeps up kind of quietly he's got his like he's using his his um his gun his musket as sort of like like a, a staff more like and he's like moving branches around and trying to push stuff aside with his bayonet it's gonna be a 16 to tackle foe Okay. Um, Not enough. to cause damage, just yeah, no, no. to leap uh, out at him when he gets close. Is it athletics check then? Yes. Athletics right. versus either athletics or acrobatics. Uh, foe is surprisingly nimble, but you definitely get the drop on him and you tack- and you kind of tackle him to the ground. You have him with his musket at his neck and he's like, and he has, he looks up wide eyed at you. It's like, what are you doing? Uh, I don't know if you're going to look up at nine at all, but nine is aiming the crossbow at you at this point. I was told to go to foe and defend. Athera looks down at, uh, at, uh, Fowl and says, You should be more careful. And then Athera looks up at Nine and says, Did your master give you that order? I was told to defend with Fowl. But I am your ally. I do what I'm told. And Athera stands up and helps Fowl to his feet. Uh, as you help Fowl, he seems a little rattled, but he kind of gets himself. Point taken. Point taken. I don't like it, but point taken. It was for education. Do you think you can track them? He looks at the blood and he sees what you've done and like how you, do you think you could find them again? I am certain. I have only not found them yet because you told me not to. Thank you. I don't want you to run off alone. It seems ill-advised. The numbers are not in my favor. Yes, no. Um, yes, that's, that, that is my, do we need to move quickly to find them? Or do you think that we have time that we could get the, uh, the, the men moving? If you wish uh, to pursue them, I would send the largest group you can, but send now. Yeah, uh, something you gathered from your... Because you got a really great survival check. Nulls Hall. 
Like, you think that if they went a long distance, you would lose their trail just based on how fast they can move. You do yeah. think that, like, in order to maintain the trail, you, you'll you need to follow immediately. Are gnolls like hyenas? Yes. Ryan? Sort of? I don't know. What's the question? Ryan? Uh-oh. Yes? What is oh, that? The thing? Oh, fuck. I see. What's going on? What are we doing? So... One of the most terrifying things about hyenas is they can run for, I believe, 45 hey guys, miles before hold on. they need to I'm stop. I'm cutting you for... off because this was poorly done. This is the first one. Are we not going to sing Mitch's random fact? <laughs> I got you. I got we you. I got you. Hold on. Later. Mitch got no. something. I got you. Jeff has something. No, it's the first one. Mitch's random fact. Ow! <laughs> okay. Whatever. <laughs> I feel better. Yeah, that was important. Sorry. Once again, not sure in the entire specifics of it, but if I recall correctly, a hyena or a pack of hyenas, which is terrifying because they have family groups of up to, I think, 40 or so, can run for, I believe, 45 miles consistently and nonstop faster than a human without having to stop to rest. And then throw down when they get there. It's a before and after sound. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff's random fact. You don't get a sound. Jeff's random fact. All hyenas have some version of penis. Male and female. Nobody fucking cares, Jeff. No one cares about your facts. Get out of here. Nobody gives a shit. Fake news. Ryan, right. do the thing. Do the thing. Oh, no, not that, not that one. Jeff has promoted another, Jeff has no. promoted another random fact. Oh, god damn it. No, we. it's one. Uh, one. It's we actually known them. as a pseudophallus in the case of females, and it also doubles as the birth canal, which causes a large variety of hyenas to die mid-birth, which also kills the mothers, and it actually hurts their population. If hyenas had a more effective reproductive system, they would be even more terrifying, because there would be more of them. A cloaca. See, Jeff, that's how you do a random fact. Fair enough. Speaking of Jeff, Rayesk, you come around the corner and you do see uh, Foe has come out of the woods and he's getting a group together, but he waves you over when he sees you. Seth, Seth, come. I, uh... Good boy, good boy. Uh, yeah, I begrudgingly slink over. Are you alright? You do not look well. I look at him and, and go, What, what do you need? You see he sort of shakes his head. Ah, uh, yes. Ah, uh, friend, Halloran has... Yes, our friend Halor is hot on the trail. I want you, uh, along with Nine and Halor, to go and scout like you do. See what you can find out. I have been told that the Knolls got away with a child and several others. I would like to save them. You are too late. We try anyway. I look at Halor as I know them. I look at Seth as I know them. I don't look at anyone. <laughs> as you know them. <laughs> um, and I say... Leak away. Of course. I take out a small uh, paper wrap package and dip a finger into it and and then wrap the package and put it in my pouch and follow along. It is good to hunt with you again, friend. I nod. I'm still standing there. You don't matter. <laughs> the maker says... Please go follow Rask and do as he says. Okay. And I go. <laughs> Cue the music. Hey, Tavern Goers. Thanks again for listening to Torchlit Tavern. Today's tale featured Mitchell Travis as Etheru, Jeffrey Lisk as Rayesk, Ryan Santos as Number Nine, and Jameson Oxford as the Dungeon Master. 
You can follow us and interact with us on Twitter at Torchlit Tavern, or email us with any of your most pressing questions at torchlittavern at gmail.com. You can also find our entertainers on the streets of twitch.tv slash torchlittavern, yelling obscenities at passersby. If you enjoyed our tale, you can tip your storytellers as you leave the tavern, which you can do via patreon.com backslash torchlittavern. Every little bit helps, and those who tip well and often can find themselves privy to an extra story or two, jokes, or maybe even a bit of hidden lore. Our story continues to grow all the time, and though we have no designs on a vast empire, your help is always appreciated. Our theme music for this campaign was designed by the bard, Brett Eagleston. Get his music at bretteagleston.bandcamp.com or find links for all his projects by following Bread Eagles on Twitter. This episode was edited and produced by Jameson Oxford and Ryan Santos. Other music and sound effects are provided by Epidemic Sound with help from freesound.org. And if you should find yourself surrounded by eager ears and attentive listeners, remember to tell good stories.